Hello, I'm Elish Quinn. This is Arctic Tourism and the Pandemic, a Radio Canada international podcast. Welcome to the first edition of our new series exploring the northern tourism industry and the impacts of COVID-19. Today, we're kicking off the series with a focus on how the pandemic is affecting the Indigenous tourism industry in northern Canada, a segment that had been experiencing huge growth until the pandemic hit. Joining us to talk us through it all is Keith Henry. He's the President and CEO of the Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada. And we're going to talk about what was fueling the remarkable growth in the Indigenous tourism industry pre-COVID-19. We're going to talk about why he says the pandemic hit at the worst possible time in the northern industry's development and the unique challenges ahead for the northern segment of the industry once the pandemic is over. And we're also going to get to why, despite all this, he's still confident the industry will survive. We cover a lot of ground in this conversation, so let's dig in. Keith Henry, hello. Yes, hi. Let's do it with you today. So why don't we um, just do a quick portrait of Indigenous tourism in Canada's territories before the pandemic, how they were faring, any particular areas of growth we could talk about, or any initiatives that were being put in place that showed promise? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the, on the podcast today, of course. And, you know, Indigenous tourism was really, uh, you know, it, pre, you know, uh, pandemic, it was really one of the fastest growing s- segments within the tourism sector within Canada. We were seeing a rapid increase in in, term, in a number of areas. And, and just to try and highlight a few, we were just seeing a lot more support on on within Indigenous communities and Indigenous entrepreneurs, first of all. I think we were seeing a real interest and genuine interest in building Indigenous cultural experiences and that could be done in a variety of ways whether it was Indigenous culinary opportunities like restaurants or just food trucks or a lot of different like catering sort of services were growing. We were seeing communities putting in infrastructure like cultural centers and hotels and and other sort of uh, really important pieces of what would provide a visitor a really uh, a sort of holistic experience and we were just seeing a lot more support from uh, across Canada within the marketing community, right? So not just on the Indigenous business side, but, you know, Destination Canada or across the North, whether it was, you know, uh, Yukon, uh, Travel Yukon, Northwest Territories Tourism or Nunavut Tourism. I mean, we were just seeing a really strong uptake in terms of the new kind of investments and in, in around marketing and, and development. So, I mean, prior to, and there was a reason why. Uh, some of it was political. But quite frankly, a lot of it was due to the fact that visitors were demanding it. We were seeing an unprecedented uptake in interest, both within Canada. So many Canadians were exploring new Indigenous opportunities. But quite frankly, what was really driving the most interest was international. And uh, we were seeing substantial increase in, in interest from the U.S., uh, uh, places like some of the more traditional places. I think your audience might think of like Germany and, and other sort of countries. They were strong still. But really, we were seeing new interest from places like China, Japan, uh, a, a growing from Japan part of me, not new. That's been a market that's been there for a while. Uh, France, U.K., we were just there was just a, a substantial uh, uh, growing economic interest, and, and so that all of those factors blended together to see why tourism had grown 23 percent over the last three to five years, and outpacing 
tourism growth over the same time, which was at about 14 and a half. So, you know, there was a reason everyone was so excited and very uh, motivated to build and, and see Indigenous tourism grow within Canada. So things, I mean, we see that from the anecdotally and from the statistics that this was a, a, a huge area of growth. Then the pandemic hits. Give us an overview of the, the kinds of things you're hearing from ITAC members in the territories, what kind of the challenges they're facing and sort of what the, the general mood is. Well, I think it's, you know, it's quite substantial. The, you know, the, the pandemic has really been quite devastating to Indigenous tourism in terms of not just the loss of like we've lost especially the north what we saw in northern canada was a lot of international visitation and all of that has evaporated you know i think of operators like in Yellowknife that have done a lot of aurora viewing 90 percent plus of their market was coming from overseas or the u.s and so whether that's aurora village which is an indigenous owned metis owned at first nation owned uh, a business there or North Star Adventures, or, or many of the other experiences in Northwest Territories. Or you think of Nunavut, there's a number of communities that have hotels and infrastructure. Uh, you know, uh, there's outdoor adventure there. Or in the Yukon, there's, you know, amazing cultural centers, there's amazing festivals and events. A lot of those visitors were not, some were Canadian, some were local residents, but a lot of the spending customer was coming from international. And that's gone. And it's been gone for a year. And, and the challenge we're going to have is, that's had a downstream ripple effect, right, in the supply chain, if you will, or our Indigenous business uh, businesses. Uh, you know, Canadians in the North, I think we can all appreciate that, that these are businesses that need to be functional and, and feasible and st- stable. When you have, when you've gone from, you know, you know, a few thousand visitors in some cases or a few hundred visitors to zero, um, it, it has a devastating impact. And so today, you know, the North is facing serious threats to uh, stabilizing the sector itself and then stabilizing the businesses. Some operators uh, have, have have lost many employees, uh, you know, that are Indigenous employees uh, that are moved on to other uh, job opportunities. So the devastation is very real. And, you know, at, at ITAC, we're, we're greatly concerned of how we work with all levels of government and the communities and our business community to how do we actually ensure that you know, there's this misconception, and I believe it's a, it's a very dangerous one, that somehow tourism will come black, back and you flick a switch and everything will return to where it was pre-COVID, and nothing could be further from the truth is my my estimation. Um, the North and Canada has lost about 30 years of progress for Indigenous tourism, and, that, and uh, to rebuild that's going to be a very monumental task. Is there a difference between how the tourism um, shutdown is affecting Indigenous businesses in the north versus Indigenous tourism business in the south? Is there anything northern specific that makes things more challenging? Yeah, I would say it is that we, we've actually done a fair amount of research. We've been sort of, as a national organization, we've been sort of serving our members and trying to get some real-time feedback on, on you know, how you know, what is going to happen for many of our businesses. And I can tell you firsthand, the North does have, is definitely one of our more vulnerable areas, primarily because a lot of the Northern business has been driven by international markets. That's one of the factors. The other factors, a lot of those businesses, there was a lot of new startups in the last sort of three, four, five years. And like any industry, whether you're Indigenous or not, those are really critical years to stabilize as a business owner, to, to, you know, have some funds put away, you know, to stabilize, 
and they just haven't had a chance to really grow themselves in that way. So there's not a lot of savings there for many of our business owners, you know, and um, whether or not they're going to survive, whether they're First Nation Inuit or so there's actually some Métis businesses in, in some parts of the north that are very, and they're all extremely vulnerable. So I would say that the, the way we, I would best describe it, it's a, it's a it's situation critical in the north right now. Is there any advantage that the North will have in terms of rebuilding this? Um, I'm thinking, you know, in some Northern communities um, where there's a lot of sort of Southern uh, populations or people that have relocated to the North, um, you know, in some uh, of the conversations I've had, people have talked about the longer this goes on, those people might return back south and you'll be losing all kinds of expertise. Um, in the Canadian North, in, you know, many or most communities, it's an Indigenous um, population that's from the area. Does that in any way position um, the tourism industry better um, because those people aren't going to leave? Well, I think, I think that that is partially true. I do caution, though, because as much as that is the case, I really feel that uh, the problem we've got now is a lot of our Indigenous tourism businesses that, that have provided hundreds of people employment across the North have lost a lot of their most critical staff. I mean, the business owners are one side, the management are one side, but there's across, if you look across Northwest Territories, Yukon, Nunavut, there's, hun- there's thousands of people that are Indigenous working in those businesses. And... Um, they are have they're looking for other employment and i you know i there's a specific uh, tour operator in 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 the yukon who went when we're tours it was a family-owned business she was running the business with her family her daughter's not had to move on is not working in the energy sector and probably won't come back and i hear countless stories like that where people they see yes the there may be a perception that they will just be able to maintain but that like any 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 career um, people need to have a job. And, you know, I think that that's going to still create quite a challenge for us into the future. Um, we saw over the, the last year um, a, a lot of places in the north, not just in northern Canada, but also, you know, in places like Alaska and Greenland, about um, trying to find a way to promote um, domestic um, tourism or, or staycations. Um, from your, from a business vantage when we're talking about Canada's Northern Territories. Is that a realistic strategy or not? Is there any places in Indigenous communities where that's worked this year or in this past year? You know, I think it's it's a nice thought and I think there's some, some merit to it. The problem is, although we want to focus on domestic tourism, uh, we've lost so much flight infrastructure, especially for the North. I mean, Air Canada has limited its number of flights to the North. WestJet has reduced flights and air access. The fact is, is there enough people across the north to support the northern businesses? I don't believe that's the case. Is there enough Canadians that want to go to the north when, as travel restrictions lined up? I do believe there is a market there. The problem is now we've added the complications of, you know, we've lost flight infrastructure. There's less flights going into the north. So until all of these issues line up, I feel that 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 is probably not a very realistic strategy or stabilization process. It's what we're all going to try and do, and ITAC has got a very, we've been working on domestic marketing this year. There are some examples, but, you know, the businesses we've seen survive uh, that have been somewhat, um, uh, have had some modest business this year 
are around the traditional large destinations. You know, um, you know, there's some indigenous operators here in BC near us and Tofino that have done okay because British Columbians uh, were able to visit Tofino, and it's an, it's accessible by air, by ferry, by driving on the island. You know, accessibility is critical, especially for the north, and it's a challenge we can't, we just can't. I can't look at that in sort of in a universal way and say that would be the experience in the north because we don't have the same accessibility for a lot of the north that those operators will need. You know, I think of Tundra North Tours uh, uh, that provides uh, outdoor adventure, wildlife viewing, and, you know, you just can't get there without the right flight infrastructure in place. And now we're losing that. Now we're losing the number of flights. We're losing everything. So even as those restrictions, as I said, open up, those are very serious issues we have to resolve. Um, are you seeing anything being put in place um, until now that you think where you think a government or a municipality or a territory it has been making the right moves in terms of um, seeing the the indigenous tourism industry through this? There's a few things. I mean, you know, the government of Canada worked with ITAC and we had a stimulus grant program. So we were able to provide many businesses in the north with a small amount of money, just at least try and weather the storm and, and not completely go insolvent uh, or disappear. You know, a lot of it is around sentiment or business owners, especially on the small business side. So we had the grant program, which was supported by the government of Canada. And then we're starting to see a lot of provincial and territorial governments add other sort of uh, supportive measures, right? There's different grant programs, different supportive investments. Uh, you know, British Columbia just announced uh, a roughly $5 million to support Indigenous tourism in that province. Quebec did a very similar process, investing resources directly into the Indigenous tourism operators. What I believe continues to need to happen is, we yes, we see there's federal relief programs, but we do need to see those specific stabilization efforts. And we can market, but right now we have to be practical about there isn't really a lot of domestic tourism to market to right now because there, and there's a perception of sentiment and travel restrictions. So we just want to make sure that our recommendation, ITAC, is continue to be: a, Does the does, do the territorial governments in the north have a indigenous tourism recovery plan? If not, what do we need to do to make sure that we stabilize what those operators need? And it's a pretty substantial effort to do that. So there are some good examples. There's some good examples where local municipalities or city cities have done things locally in the larger urban centers. In the north and that, we just need to continue to raise that profile and raise that awareness about how do we help stabilize those. You know, I, I just have to repeat, the northern businesses will face significant challenges for years to come uh, without stabilization efforts uh, because it was such a heavily dependent international market for the north, uh, you know, to an extent that is um, now we're seeing that the, those are really significant. The, nor- the international markets will not open we assume for the next probably one to two years, uh, you know, given what we're seeing. So those are those are the kind of things I continue to have to say on these kind of interviews. What is your or position or your thinking in terms of once we're sort of in the post-pandemic world, um, you know, one of the things, or even if we look in history at other sort of periods of pandemic, it changes consumer behavior um, in in ways that tend to go on longer than the 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 pandemic or the the issue. And even if if you know the the vaccination rollout worldwide goes well. You know, a lot of people are saying there's going to be a lot of just the psychological hesitancy of traveling again. 
Is there anything that can be done to position businesses in northern Canada for the post-pandemic world? Well, I, I do. I think that we just need to really create the right kind of uh, marketing messaging and, and, and provide communities and businesses with the right kind of public service awareness. It's very naive to, to think that the world will flick a switch and that you know we all get vaccinated and or enough for herd immunity, as we hear and Canadians in the world will go back to travel behavior. I think, I personally believe that, that travel behavior has changed for everyone for decades. So the question, and, and not only on that side, just to share another perspective with your audience about this, it hasn't only changed there, it's also probably changed in very serious ways on the Indigenous community side. You know, many communities are now going to be even more hesitant than ever before, maybe to consider welcoming visitors uh, for fear of these kind of you know, uh, unintended consequences of bringing in a virus and still apprehensive and fearful that maybe there still is different variants of the virus into the future. And more. And we're also hearing some of our, our employees, going back to a question you asked prior, some of our employees don't feel comfortable dealing with visitors anymore because the sentiment is they're worried about getting infections. So that adds a whole other layer to that, to that thinking. I think what we all need to do is, is, as an industry, we're certainly working on domestic messaging. Um, how can we do this in a safe and effective way? We've created tools to work with our Indigenous tourism partners in the North, like Yukon First Nations Culture and Tourism, You know, uh, working with Northwest Territories uh, uh, partners and, and the, the industry partner there specifically, and of course, Nunavut Tourism, to really roll out what does Indigenous tourism community planning need to look like? So there's, there's, there's sort of practical steps we need to make sure that there's public service and messaging internally within the communities and externally because we've worked very hard as an industry across this country to build social license to have communities welcome visitors and now um this is going to have a long-term impact on that side of it as well you know to say that we've lost 30 years that's just on economic side what i don't know how to calculate right now is what has been the community sentiment? And I'll give you, you know, an example that I'm, you know, there's many in the north we know that have shut their communities down. Uh, it's going to be an interesting process for us to follow as an industry to say, okay, if you're none of it, is your community ready to reopen with your hotel, and are you ready to have people come in? And you know, notwithstanding all the other challenges of flight infrastructure, and that, I mean, that that's a very that's a very concerning future for us as an industry. Like we know we need indigenous tourism. We know it provides jobs. It provides, you know, cultural sort of support to keep culture alive in the youth by providing that kind of meaningful investment and and support to stabilize jobs in the community. But really at the end of the day, um, this may be another, add another 10 years onto that equation. And so that's, it took us a long time to get to where we were. And I just, it's, you know, this is one of the, people in this industry in this country I I have great concerns about where does that go from here is there anything that you see happening or anything in the communities that you're optimistic about that you think will help position it well as we move out of this well I think one thing that I really take solace in and, and I know with our board of directors and our team and our organizations that we partner with in the north I think people genuinely want to see Indigenous tourism survive. I mean, the sentiment is there on the operator side, on the business side, on the entrepreneur side. You know, so many Indigenous people working there that that are adamant they're going to save this industry. We have recovery strategies. We have people that want to see the... We're working with federal governments and territorial governments to try and figure out the best mechanisms to do that. 
I believe there's a genuine, authentic, uh, you know, that people see that no matter what, we're going to come through this and we're going to survive. So I think the sentiment within the business community on the Indigenous business community is there. You know, our challenge, you know, as I've laid out, those are big challenges, but I do think that that's there and I don't think that's going to go away. I think people are very committed to the industry and that's the difference that I love about Indigenous tourism. You know, it's not like working in a, you know, and I mean no disrespect to other industries like mining or forestry or fisheries or or construction or, or whatever sector it is. Often those are just jobs. What I have seen and has always been our secret of our success has been that when we see Indigenous communities, whether they're First Nation, Métis, or Inuit, or they're entrepreneurs that are First Nation, Métis, or Inuit, this is a, a passion. It, it, it really is a calling from so many of our operators and our businesses in this country. So that in itself is going to be the one difference that, that also will help in a positive way address where we go from here. And Keith Henry, those were the the questions I had for you, but I wanted to leave you with the last word. Um, If there was anything that you wanted to sum up uh, for the listeners or if there's an area that we didn't touch on but that we should have. Well, I just really feel now is a time more than ever we need to support Indigenous tourism businesses. When it's safe and travel restrictions allow, we really want people to go to DestinationIndigenous.ca. We really want people to support local indigenous tourism businesses we know that in many ways we believe the future will be really actually much more you know uh, supportive of indigenous experiences because we think the world itself is going to want to understand these values because of the pandemic so that's i think there's a lot of reasons that we will come out of this fine but really look at the website and we need when it's safe and when we feel comfortable we we're really hoping more than ever people really share promote and just really get out there and support our local Indigenous businesses in the North that need every single customer they can find right now. And when you said about the, the, the values that we're going to need after the pandemic, what do you mean exactly? I think the world realizes that, you know, that, uh, that things can change. And what we're sort of, I think the world's going to want to understand, like, what does it mean to respect land? What does that mean to take care of this planet we live on even more so than ever? The environmental consciousness of people has really gone up. And, and I really feel in, that the world sees Canada and specifically our Indigenous people as protectors of land, protectors of culture, how they've survived millennia through, through all the different pandemics. And I really believe that people are going to want to touch that and feel that and get to know that and maybe come to learn from that a little bit more. And I really feel that's going to drive tremendous interest into the future. Well, Keith Henry, thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. This has been Arctic Tourism and the Pandemic, a Radio Canada International podcast.